Hey everyone, welcome to Overlake Christian Church. We're so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we'll join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. And we would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. Throughout the year, we'll be promoting events that enable you to connect with your parish and connecting groups, as well as connecting to serve in your community. first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you'll find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. there are many opportunities to serve. If you need any information about any of these various ministries, from Kid Town Children's Ministry to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the information that you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather in on a Sunday, but that it's a family where we can come together, both here in our building and out in the community. you have a great time at service this morning. Good morning, friends. My name is Jessica. I'm the worship pastor here. Would you please stand to your feet? We are going to worship Jesus this morning. You guys ready for that? Yes. Praise 
what God's doing. Jesus, you're welcome here. Your spirit is welcome here.
just want to invite the Holy Spirit in this place right now. Holy Spirit's already here. There can be an effort on our own part to invite him into our own lives, our own hearts, to penetrate what's going on inside of here, not just what's going on in the room. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you search our hearts? We open it up to you. Have your way with us this morning. Cut through. Cut through all the brokenness, all the cloudiness, and bring clarity and bring truth. Bring healing, bring love. In Jesus' name.
Let's, uh, let's do this before we grab a seat. Let's pray together. Lord, that is the posture of our hearts, is to just be sensitive to what you want to do, what you want to speak, the things that you have for us, we want to hear what those are. And so as we kind of transition from, from a time of, of lifting you up in worship, of, 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 of us showing up to the fact that you are already here now, now we want to hear, now we want to listen, and now we want to respond in your name. Amen. Well, as you're seated, give someone near you a high five. You can never go wrong with a good old high five in church. Oh, those are some good ones. Yeah. There it is. Our, uh, our boy at home, a uh, little sailor, little two-year-old sailor, he is big into the high five right now. Everywhere we go, you can't go wrong with the high five. In the grocery store, he's always just... He'll even be in the cart and just kind of put his hand out. He may not even look at you, and he'll just be like, bam. You know, he's, he's, all, about, he's all about high fives. Uh, well, guys, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here, and it is so fun to be together. It, it is going to be a, a great morning. There's going to be some great things that we get to get to hear and, and study together. And it is a start of a new series, too, which kind of makes it that much more fun to kind of start a new journey together. So it'll be a short series. Uh, Mike will be back next week, and, and he'll kind of uh, help, help kind of continue to chart the course that we're on. Uh, but the series that we're in is text. It is text, not, not texting, like not on your phones, uh, not, not emojis and stuff, but text, like the Bible, uh, the, the, the word, the holy Christian scriptures, the, 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 the book that we open every Sunday together, and many of us in our own lives as well, and, and, and for those of us in groups, uh, another uh, 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 time in which we kind of enter in uh, to the text here. And so uh, next week, we'll get to hear how do we correctly read it and, and interpret it and apply it. And this week, we get to do it. We get to experience that together. And we get to, to learn from one of my favorite teachers. Uh, David is his name. King David is, is kind of how many refer to him. But we're going to look at a psalm, like my favorite psalm in the whole Bible. And so it's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. And where I want to start is this. I want to start with this idea that this book, it's, it's pretty fascinating to think of just the influence of, of this book here, of the Bible. Because uh, when you think of it, for, for millennia now, for, for a long, long time now, this book has influenced and shaped and impacted the perception that people have of who God is. That if there's a God and people were to read this, this would impact, this would, would shape, this would kind of mold the perceptions, the thoughts that you begin to have of who God is, of what, 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 what God would be like. And in fact, I want to hit uh, lead off with this pretty provocative quote. It's from the late A.W. Tozer. He was a, a famous uh, a, a Christian pastor and leader and writer, spiritual mentor to many. Uh, uh, and, and he says this. He says this. And I think this is pretty, pretty bold to say. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He's saying out of everything, out of everything, the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think of God? What's the construct that you have? Because that, that impacts a lot of other things. And you don't have to agree with him. This isn't scripture I just quoted here. You, you don't have to agree with him for us to be on this journey together. But, but I do think he's, he's touching on something that, that I, think, I think I would agree with. At, at least it's quite very important 
in the impact that our, our thoughts of God has. For example, it'll shape things, it'll, it'll impact things such as your values, decisions, behaviors, how you view the past, how you view the present, how you view the future. It'll impact how you treat others, including your enemies. It'll change maybe how you even view yourself. So really, this is important work that we, that we do every time we open this book. And it's important work that we'll be at as we begin to read this psalm together. But the first point, if you want to take notes, if you want to take notes, the first point is this. It's that our thoughts of God shape our trust in God. That based on, 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 on what you think about God, it, it, it has a direct connection to if you trust him or, or maybe how much you would trust him. And, and, and think of it this way. Think of, of this analogy. Just think of, of some people maybe in your life and, and kind of in your, in your mind, just kind of think through how much would you trust people like this? How, how much would, are you quick to trust someone who's flaky, a flaky person? Or maybe just a fake person, someone who's like, you never, you never really know who they are. They're like, uh, they're, they're kind of fake. Or, or how about someone, what's, what's trust look like in a relationship with someone who, who you know is hot-tempered or violent? Or what about forgetful or distant or disengaged? And perhaps these are things that, that, that people have, have projected on God. And, and it, that has an impact on if you will trust that God or not. What about things such as this? Think about other people in your life now. Think about, uh, do you trust a loyal friend? Or someone who is kind and generous and consistent? Someone who's honest and thoughtful and loving? The type of person who has your best in their mind when they go about their words and their actions and their deeds. Are those the type of people that you trust? And perhaps these are attributes of the God that we worship here at Overlake. So our thoughts of God shape our trust in him from zero trust to complete trust and then everything in between. So now let's look at a psalm. We'll look at Psalm 139. Again, it's in your handouts. It'll be on the screen. And this is penned. This is attributed to King David, who, who by the way, is like the total Renaissance man. The total Renaissance man. Here's, 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 just, uh, here's, here's David a little bit in, in, in my own words. David is a Marine. He's a poet, a real estate developer, a politician. He plays a mean electric guitar solo. He's a creative genius. He's into things like gardening and even bird watching. Like, he does it all. This is, this is the man here. And, and, and we get to hear from him and, and discover what does his relationship, what are his thoughts of God, and how does that impact the level of trust that he has? And how does that actually inform other parts of his life? And so here we go, starting in verse 1. It says this, it says this. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. He's saying God is omniscient. That, 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 that God knows everything. That he is all wise, all knowledgeable. That there is nothing that can be hidden from who God is. And when you think of that, there, again, there's two different responses to that. One is that freaks you out. Or the second is that it puts you in a place that sets you up for a very vibrant relationship. Because it puts you in a vulnerable place. Vulnerability is key in, in any vibrant relationship. 
And, and vulnerability is just the state of simply being unprotected, unguarded. And there's times where, where being vulnerable is a bad thing. It is a bad thing. A couple examples. I, I mean, if, if, if you go out onto the football field, if you're, if you're watching football, the, the players out there, they're wearing helmets. They're wearing helmets because it's a high-impact sport. And the, the goal is to lessen the, the vulnerable cranium of these individuals as much as possible, right? Or, or think about your car. Anybody drive into church this morning? Anybody, anybody hop in your car? You drove in. How many of you also buckled your seatbelts when you drove? Oh, good, good. All right, great. So you did that because you're vulnerable in case of an accident. You want protection. You, you, you want a car that has bumpers, right? You, you want a car that'll be safe. Uh, I, I learned this firsthand uh, just last week. Pastor Mike and I, we were coming back from a conference up north on the 405, and as always happens in Seattle traffic, we went from moving at 65 miles an hour to zero. And so we stopped. The semi behind us did not have enough time to stop. And so we got a nice, uh, a, a nice little tap from behind. A Prius bumper does a pretty decent job, actually, of protecting you. I was pretty impressed. And, and what the bumper couldn't handle, the chiropractor did. So we're, we're on the mend there. But the, the idea of being vulnerable, it, it should kind of cause us a little bit of kind of heightened stakes. But think of it this way. There's times where vulnerability is key, and it's for your own good. We've probably all been in, in a doctor's office where they start to ask very personal questions. Like, the most intimate personal questions you've ever been asked have probably happened in the doctor's office. These are just things you don't talk about. No one knows this about you. Like, and, 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 and they just ask it like it's no big deal. Because it, it's not to them. They ask those questions all day long, five days a week, you know. And so here you are in a very vulnerable place. But why is it? It's for your own health. It's for your own benefit. The doctor is diagnosing and, 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 and trying to make judgment calls as to what could be going on so that you can leave on the mend so that you can leave healthier, so that you can be set on a trajectory towards health. What David's saying here is, God, you know everything there is to know about me. A very vulnerable claim, and yet one that we need. One that is actually good news. And so the next fill-in is this, that I am fully known. I am fully known. This is one of, our, one of our deepest longings. One of the, 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 the things that perhaps humans desire more than anything else is just to be fully loved in every sense of that word. And yet, what can get in our way of that is this fear of being fully known. Because our fear is that if we were fully known, maybe we wouldn't be fully loved. And so, and so we get pretty good at hiding things, at kind of maybe uh, kind of putting things off into the different corners, of kind of playing a certain game of, of, of what, we'll, what we're going to express and what we're going to hide because of this, this hope to be loved, but this fear of being known. What David says without fear in his voice is that, God, you know all there is to know about me. You know my thoughts. You know my motives. You know my heart. You know what I'll say next. There's nothing that I, can, that I can hide from you. I don't think David would even want to try to hide from God. His heart and his, his understanding is that, that God fully knows him because he's fully loved. And that's the good news. That, that is our faith right there. That this is, 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 is in a world where maybe your life is full of friends who know what's going on on the outside, 
but maybe no one really knows what's going on underneath. Maybe no one knows the thoughts that you've been wrestling with. No one knows the state of things in here or in here. But there's one who does know. And he loves you. Regardless what all those things are. Regardless if you can't even explain it all. And it's good news. Let's pick up now into verse 7 and moving forward. Where can I go from your spirit? David is asking this question. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. David in his poetry is saying that God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He's dropping some just theological bombshells here. Not only is God all-knowing, but, but, but God is ever-present. He's in all places, all-pervading. He's saying this, and it's the next fill-in in your notes, that God is always with me. That God is always with me. There's an illustration I want to do, because I think there's two primary views that people have when it's this phrase of being with God. And here's how this goes. Two views. Again, I'll give you the first one, and then I'll give you the second one. So I got two chairs here. This chair on the right, because it's on the right and God is always right, will symbolize God. So this is the God chair. This is God. This is you. This is me. So picture yourself here, and this is God. This is in a relationship where things are good. Things are good. It's like picture, picture the garden. Picture Genesis 1, right? Nothing's gone wrong. Everything's good. Until, and we've all done this, we've all made mis decisions, mistakes, where we turn our back on God. Where this is our posture. Again, this is the first, first version of two different things. The thought is that this is what some people perceive is God's posture. That when we do this, that God does it in kind. He's like, you know what? You turn your back on me, so I am going to have to remove myself from you. I don't even want to look upon you. And until we can get our act together, until we can make things good again, can we actually be in better relationships. So we are pursuing God through effort, through, through all kinds of great, great decision-making, all kinds of hard work goes into this, and that somehow we're able to make things right again. Until it goes south all over again. We turn our back and then, and then God turns his. And so it, it's this constant and exhausting nature of, of, of constantly chasing and pursuing God in the relationship. And, 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 and yet, that's just one view. The second view is this. And I think this next view is biblical. And I think it's good news. And here's how this one goes. And this is what David is speaking to. This, again, is the God chair. Here's us. We do, we still, it starts the same, we still kind of go our own way, make our own decisions, kind of depart from the course, whatever God's best is. And so we turn our backs on God, and yet God doesn't turn his back on us, yet he pursues us. He's like, you know what? I'm with you. I'm for you. I desire you. I love you. And so we do it over and over and over again. 
And God continues to chase, continues to pursue. And this, again, can, you see this theme throughout all of scriptures. God is chasing us. David starts to get a little crazy. David's like, you know what? Even if I go up to the heavens, even if I go as far away as I possibly can, you know what? God, you are with me. You are right there. He goes even crazier. He's like, well, what if I go, what if I go down here? Then David says, you know what? I'm sure David had chairs he was doing this with too. We'll just pretend. <laughs> I am there with you as well. David goes so crazy. Guys, get this. This is where, this is our chair, by the way. Whew. Wow. I think I'm only fit enough to do one service at Overlake with chairs. Okay. What chair are we at? We'll say this is the, we'll, we'll, we'll say this is the God chair, okay? Okay, God chair, our chair. David says this. David says this as, as Pat catches his, his breath. What if I make my bed in the depths? Some of your translations read, not so artfully, Sheol or hell. What? what? David's saying this, code for, what if I die? What if I die? And this is where David's theology is incredibly prophetic. This is where David speaks to something that he knows of the one and true and only God there is. That somehow, though he cannot explain it, though he know not know what perhaps will one day happen on a cross, is that God enters in to death. Good Friday occurs. That Jesus, being fully man, fully God, enters into death. And yet, doesn't stay dead, does he? Rises again, giving the same power, the same spirit that did that, that rose him from the dead to everyone else who would desire it. Saying, I'm with you always. There's nowhere you can go where I'm not already waiting for you. There's no way you're at in life right now where God isn't with you. There's no time that you've lived in, no episode in your life where God wasn't there. David gets this. This is, in fact, actually, that's a perfect illustration. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing baptism here at Overlake. That's what that symbolism means. To be dunked under. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. Water is a, is a bit of a scary thing. Thir 1,300 people off the coast of Norway are learning this right now. As they're airlifted off this cruise ship, right? That if you're, if you're in a lot of water and uh, there's big waves and a lot of wind and you aren't able to move around, you want to get to land. Like the goal is not to be in the water. Like that is, a, is not a good thing. And this is baptism, right? The symbolism of death, of being held under. You're recognizing there's this rich, rich symbolism that water is, in fact, dangerous to us. And so what, what does it symbolize? Death. And yet you come up to raise to live a new life. And so you have this imagery as the water kind of falls off of people. It's so beautiful. that What do they look like? They look cleaner. They look washed. They look new. And it's this rich symbolism that is communicating that baptism into Christ's death and into his life. And that's what we believe. That's what David's speaking to hundreds of years. Hundreds of years before Christ's coming. 
And that God, he not only fully knows us, but he is always with us. And he continues into verse 13. And we're, we're skipping a little bit out of kind of the sake for time. And Mike will actually, in next week, get back to some, some portions that we're skipping over uh, next week in Psalm 139. But, but David, as we move into verse 13, there's a shift that occurs. He goes from speaking so much, so primarily about God, that now he starts to kind of get a little more introspective. He starts to think about himself. He starts to ponder, what, what, what does this dynamic of, of believing in God and who he is actually impact me? And so here's what he says. And these are, these are famous verses that you've probably heard before. In verse 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Everyone say these three words. I am wonderful. Say it again, like maybe you want to actually believe this. I am wonderful. Nice, okay. I, I can tell some of you are faking it. So now, poke the person next to you and say, you are wonderful, right? Let them know. Poke them. Poke the person who just poked you and be like, okay, and you're wonderful too. Let them have it. Poke the person in front of you and say, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Poke the person behind you who just poked you. Poke him back, back, knock it off, and you're wonderful. Oh, you have no idea how much fun that was for me. Guys, you just participated in what church was like for me as a middle schooler. I just was always poking people and writing notes and, like, you know, so fun. So, guys, you're wonderful. Each of you, and I want you to own this as, a, as really kind of this, 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 this identity factor. And so put it in your notes. It really is. It's this next point. I am wonderful. I am wonderful. God only makes wonderful things. And, and David's making this connection that, wow, God, you've made me. And it's kind of a showstopper for him. You can tell it's, 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 it's shifting some of his thinking. And this is an area, and I think, uh, you know, if Tozer says what we think about God, what comes in our minds when we think about God is the most important thing, maybe the second, or at least in the top five, you know, maybe, maybe up there would be, what comes into our minds when we think about ourselves? Maybe that's pretty important too. Think of the enemy, think of the adversary, think if, if you kind of get in his mind a little bit here, if, if you had to get really strategic with how to kind of break down a little bit of the commandments of Christ, you know. Jesus has asked that question. What, what, what are the greatest commandments? And he distills it down. Hey, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit, every, everything in you. Love God. And the second's like it. You got to love your neighbor as yourself. So what if we don't love ourselves? That's going to be really hard to love others, huh? So I think the enemy just, just, just throws a wrench in this whole discipleship aspect that has to come out of that. How we view ourselves. He's fed lies where people are, are walking around thinking that, that we aren't enough. Can never measure up. I'm not pretty. I'm not talented. Or the enemy, I think, flanks us from another direction. I think he knows, hey, hey maybe that's not the doorway. But with this particular maybe personality type or person. Maybe, maybe it works to get them thinking that I'm the only one who's wonderful. That I can do no wrong. No one is as great as me. 
Everything I want, I should get. Everything orbits around me. And it stems from these lies the enemy just deposits in our life that we somehow nurture. There's actually a great metaphor for this. Um, this this, this, this kind of came to me recently, but I've, I've been into bird watching over the last two years. Any fellow brave and very proud bird watchers in the room? Any birders? Yeah, okay, great. Guys, we got a band together, okay? There's not many of us out there, but, but, but we are few and we are mighty, okay? I've been learning all kinds of these things about different birds, and there's one bird in particular that comes to mind as I'm just thinking of this metaphor that just fits in here so nicely. And it's this cute little bird called the cowbird. Everybody, here's the cowbird, right? Who thinks it's kind of cute? Anybody? Yeah? Others of you are like, eh, yeah, it's a bird, <laughs> you know. That's the, that's the lovely cowbird. The cowbird in this particular metaphor is going to get run down really bad. So if this is your favorite bird, I feel so bad. I'm just going about to hand it to this little guy. Here's what the cowbird does, and I think the enemy is similar. The cowbird is what's called a brood parasite, meaning when the cowbird is prepared to lay eggs and raise its young, it actually just lays its egg but doesn't raise its own young. And it does so by finding other birds, similar in kind of size, uh, 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 where it can find these birds that are kind of getting their nests ready, and it'll go and it'll just deposit a little cowbird egg. And apparently that's how they do it. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. I, I did it first service too. You know, guys, if you're ever playing charades, I'm your guy. I'm great at it, okay? Cowbird comes and, and lays its eggs, and so can anyone, you feel pretty good that you know maybe which the cowbird egg is. Anybody? Yeah, feeling pretty, pretty great at this point? Yes. If your neighbor's a little confused, maybe, maybe let them know. It's up, you know, it's up, up to the left there. Uh, okay. Here's what the cowbird does. Lays its eggs, and it just takes off, and when the host bird comes back, in this case an American robin comes back, has an important decision to make. It can either be duped into raising this bird, which is not its own, as its own. And yet the sad reality is the cowbird is extremely loud and hungry and aggressive and domineering. And so it's actually going to raise this egg at the expense of its own young. It'll actually cost the lives of these other eggs, these other babies, these other chicks. Or the bird, as it comes back, can recognize this is not mine. This is not for me. This is not for me. And it removes the egg. I think the Spirit would love to reveal to us in each of our lives, where has the enemy just deposited a few cowbird eggs? A few lies that you have been nurturing that actually has robbed you from being able to pour some energy and effort and time and, and, into developing the things that the Lord has for you. It's actually been at the detriment of the life that the Lord has for you. And so as the Spirit reveals this, it's time to get rid of it. And maybe it's this, maybe it's this point. Maybe you don't feel you're wonderful and fearfully and, and beautifully made. That you've been perfectly knit together. That there's a beautiful calling on your life. That God has something particular for you in his mission in this world. And we maybe just need to get rid of some cowbird eggs. 
reminds me in Genesis, you have Adam and Eve and they make a mistake and, and, and so they hide from one another. They sow fig leaves to, the, to cover the shame really that they're, that, they're, that they're dealing with and they hide themselves even from the Lord. So now you can kind of see the breakdown of two relationship directions, right? This, this horizontal with others and this one with the divine, with God. And, and the Lord asks them as they reply, oh, we hid because we're naked. And the Lord asks them a question, who told you you're naked? Maybe the Spirit would be asking us, who told you what that is that maybe whatever it is you're believing, you're thinking? And it's time to remove it. It's time to get rid of it. It's time to live into and, and walk out of the things that the Lord desires for us to nurture and to raise in our lives. Let's move now to the final two verses. And I want to kind of begin to land the plane here. And I think these are beautiful words that just communicate David's full heart in his faith journey. It's prayers that I think words and, and really a prayer that I think we can pray, that we can own, that we can join in with. And it's in these words. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Look at those actions. Look, look at the words that he's incorporating as he's really imploring and really inviting the Lord to participate in this journey with him. These words, and maybe we're circling actually and highlighting of, of search, know, test, see, lead. Clearly David trusts God to recognize who he is as we kind of started with in this omniscience and omnipresence to now recognizing there's this very personal nature and part of the journey and and so again we can learn from this there's a word in there and I don't know why I think it just has a negative connotation for me so I just want to briefly address it in case it's similar in this room but the word test the word test to me is always like who wants to take a test you know like how many of you enjoy test taking okay get out get out right now we no I'm just kidding kidding Test taking, right, it's not the most enjoyable thing, not the most life-giving thing. And, and part of me, I think when I see it, and, and again, this is a projections I've made on God that are not of him and, and, and about him. But it's somehow like, oh, I feel like, are you wanting me to mess up? Like, is the goal to trick me? Is like, you know, like, what's going on here? Why, why are you having to test me? And that's not, when you look at the meaning of the word, you look at how it's used, you look at the posture of this word. It's important to recognize it's test in a very positive sense. It's like this. It's like uh, a smoke detector. You want the smoke detector to be testing the air at all times. You want the smoke detector to, to be letting you know what is right and when are things wrong. It's like this. It's like medical tests. If, if you're, 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 you're going, you have some appointments, maybe they need to run some tests on your blood to, to help evaluate what's going on. To help make some, some important decisions on your health and your diagnosis and prognosis and and, 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 and so it's all kinds of things, your blood, or, or maybe it's a test on your heart. Uh, a couple years ago, a couple years ago in Spokane, I had an EKG done on my heart. An EKG done in the emergency room at, at the Valley Hospital in Spokane. What I'm about to tell you is a true story. This is a true story. Actually, everything I've told you is a true story. This is also a true story. This is also true. This really happened. I'm, I'm at my parents' house. My parents aren't home. Leah's there. And we're talking, and, and, I, and I have a hankering for a Coke. I just need a can of pop. So, so I go into the fridge, and there's no pop in the fridge. It's one of those moments of like, oh, curses, you know, like, ah, no pop in the fridge. Okay, well, maybe there's some in the garage. So I go into the garage, and I get a pop out of the garage. The, 
the garage pops are never like, you know, not like warm, but they're definitely not cold. They're somewhere in between. They're lukewarm, you know, like, like uh, but, but so I have this Coke and, and, I'm, in, and I'm just going to suffer through it. But, but I open it and the first sip I take, maybe, maybe some of this, you know, some of you, this has happened too, where, where I just take this sip and everything about it just went wrong. It just, it, I don't know if it's too much or if it was awkward, like, but it just burned and it just was like fighting its whole way down. And it just started at the top and the whole way into my chest and as it entered my stomach. And so I kind of I lean over and I just, all I can get out of my mouth was like, oh, that really hurt. The next thing I know, I'm on the ground. Leah's panicking, just screaming. She's on the phone, shaking my body. Like, just, oh my gosh, he's dead, he's dead, you know. And, and, and she's on the phone with her brother, who's a fireman, and she's explaining the story. So it's like, can of Coke, he passes out. You know, like, somewhere in, in between there is the story that's communicated. Jake's like, I have never heard of this, ever in my life. I think I would take him to the emergency room. So I come to, I'm awake, I think I'm fine. She's like, no, we're definitely going to get you to the emergency room. So we go up, show up the Valley uh, uh, Hospital there. Of course, they ask what happened, which is a very embarrassing story to tell, you know. And, and, and so there's that. They ask, is anything hurting? The only thing hurting, guys, is a little bit of my neck. I, I came down, I kind of hit uh, my head. So I was like, oh, you know, my neck's a little sore, but I think it's just because I felt funny. They're like, oh, we need you in a neck brace then. So now I'm sitting in the emergency room with a neck brace because I just drank a Coke all funky. The doctor orders an EKG, and he's like, you know, this, again, I've never heard of this in all my years. You know, we go through this in medical school, so we're going to have an EKG done in case it's a heart-related issue. Good news was it wasn't. Heart was fine. Bad news is, he tells me, essentially what happened is you have a very low threshold for pain. <laughs> Thank you. You know, like, it's just... I had a, I had a vasovagal. I, I bought my, hit, my system hit reset because I just followed, followed pop a little funky. Like, the point is this. I have a point to this. I think what David's getting at at the very end here is like, God, I want you to just run the deepest EKG of my life you possibly could. At a heart level. Do it with my thoughts, Lord. If, there, if there's any offensive way in me, test me. Not because your goal is to trick me. Your goal is to heal me. Your goal is for me. It's for my good. It's for the betterment of my life. It's for the betterment of my marriage, my home, and my workplace, my neighborhood. He is for us. He is with us. And it's us in this posture, much like David, to say, Spirit, do your work, search me, know me, test me. And then lastly, and this is the last fill-in, is really this lead me. To recognize that to trust is to follow. To trust is to follow. There's this beautiful imagery of, of recognizing that, that though we are incredibly vulnerable with this omniscient and omnipresent God, he desires to lead us. And the question is, do we desire then to follow, to come in behind? I love the phrasing in this last sentence, and lead me in the way everlasting. I circled those words, just the way, and it made me think, David didn't even know, but, but Jesus ends up referring to himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
he doesn't even know. He, 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 he's preaching about Jesus. Before Jesus, God incarnate, comes. He doesn't know, but he's saying, lead me to the Messiah that invites people to, hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And it's an invitation that we get to respond to. It's an invitation that we're passionate about here at Overlake. Because we know that in following him, we see his kingdom come. We see his ways break into our neighborhoods. Break into the places we inhabit. The places we play. The places we work. The places we study. And it comes from this posture. Of an ultimate, complete trust in the Lord. Evidenced by following him. Because we know he fully knows us. Because he fully loves us. And he's always with us. He's always for us. Overlake, would you stand with me? I want to pray over you and really ask that the Spirit would just seal this in our hearts and then give you a chance to respond. And make this your prayer. And I think the lyrics of the song we're about to sing do this beautifully. And so my ask would be this. Don't just join in in song, but join in in song and with this heart of prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth that we were taught from one of your followers in David. And we thank you for the truth of how it can shape our lives and impact uh, what our relationship with you looks like and how, how we can begin to trust you in every area of our life. And so, so we say that. We say that even now. Lead us. Search us. Know us. Test us. Do what you would desire to do in our lives and in this church. In your name. Amen. Let's worship.
good to respond. So good to respond with those words, with that prayer. Well, in this moment, you can take a seat. And as you're doing that, uh, look for your connection card in that handout. And I know many of you have already probably filled yours out. You kind of know what we do with these. And, and, and you're prepared to drop it in a bucket as it comes by in a moment. But, um, but these are important. Uh, these, these are a great tool for a large community like this, for us to know different needs that are in the, in the family here, different next steps that individuals are ready to take in their journey. And so uh, it's incredibly helpful. And, and it's good to know even just best contact info to keep you in the loop. So if your email changed or, 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 or your address, uh, uh, let us know uh, to, to update those on the front. And, and then prayer on the back. Uh, you can't go wrong with just putting down Gonzaga. Just, 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 you know, we're fifth straight, sweet 16. Just, well, well it's God's team, guys. But, but if there's other things going on, we'd love to know those as well. And so uh, how can we be praying for you this week? And we'd love to know what that is. And, and, uh, and then actually now. I'll invite up the ushers and we'll pass the buckets. If it's your first time at Overlake, we are so stoked that you're here. We're glad that you're joining us this morning. We want to make sure you leave here with a gift from us. So hold on to your connection card and swing by the connection center, the info desk there, and we will collect uh, your card and give you a gift. Our way of saying thanks for being with us. And, um, and then as the buckets are being passed, it's also time for any gifts, ties, or offerings, recognizing that's an aspect of our worship and trust in the Lord too. Well, let's enjoy this video. together today. Um, in closing, we traditionally do our blessing, but today we have um, an opportunity to pray over our upcoming mission teams going out. So I'm going to ask them all to come up on stage right now. And if there's any pastors or elders um, who would be able to join them as well, that would be great. And during as they're walking up, we just want to remind you all that if you want or need prayer this morning, um, if you go up to our second floor, there are people that would love to pray with you. And um, so they would be happy to meet you out there. So behind me, 
We have about, this is representation of around 40 people that will be going out from OCC over the next, um, yes, over the next three weeks. And what I love about this group is that we've got students from SM that are going out, we have families going out, we have retired people. I mean, we just have a variety of people that are just wanting to come and to serve. And we'll be working with our OCC partners overseas in five different countries. And we'll be you know, loving on refugees. Um, we'll be working at at-risk kids. We'll be coming alongside church partners and local um, community members. And so um, it's just going to be a great opportunity. So we would love for you guys to stand up. And if you feel comfortable, just reach out, extend your hand out as we, as we pray over this team, or I guess five teams. <laughs> so Lord, we just thank you. We know that you are at work around the world. And Lord, you love the nations. And I just thank you um, that we have the opportunity to join you in what you're doing and Lord, we know it is all about you, Father. It's all about you. And I just thank you for our OCC partners that we have around the world. Thank you for their um, endurance and the calling that you have placed on their lives. I thank you for each one of these individuals here on this stage that are willing to step out in faith and are willing to join you in what you're doing. Um, we just pray for um, greater vision um, as we go out. We pray, Lord, that you would fill each one of these people's hearts just with your love, and Lord, that it would just shine so brightly um, in every place that they go. Lord, may people see Jesus in the hearts of these people and, and through their lives. Um, we just pray for, for team unity. We pray for... Um, relationships, beautiful relationships to be formed through these teams. And Lord, that it would be a reflection of just the community that you've designed us to be in. Um, we pray for protection. We pray for safety. And most of all, Lord, we just pray that you would be glorified. And Lord, that your heart and your name would be known amongst the nations, Father God. Thank you so much. And we just cover every single person here um, with blessings and we just send them out with great joy and we send them out with prayers and we just thank you father we we believe that you're going to do great things and we trust you for that in his name we pray amen all right have a good day you guys Remember where